Got your Bibles, take out your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 13. Passage is in your bulletin for your convenience. And if you would follow along as I read God's word today, Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying... A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root... They last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. And may God bless the reading of his word. Sermon today about apostasy, leaving the faith and abandoning the faith. And uh, Matthew chapter 13 kind of gives uh, just an overview of, uh, of this topic. And this comes from Jesus. Uh, Matthew chapter 13 has a number of parables of the kingdom. And uh, these parables of the kingdom um, is Jesus telling the disciples, here's what you can expect to happen with the church and my followers, and uh, this is what's going to happen until the end of time. And if you go to the next slide there, Lynn. And uh, he gives uh, eight parables in this chapter, Matthew 13. First of all, the parable of the sower, and, or maybe it should be called the parable of the seed or the parable of the soils. And uh, that's the one I I read earlier, and I'm going to talk about in just a few minutes. There is the parable of the weeds, or a crop full of weeds, and we're not going to look at that. There is the parable of the mustard seed, we're not going to look at that. The parable of yeast, we won't look at that. And of course, the other four, we're not going to look at them either. The parable of hidden treasure, the parable of the pearl of great worth, the parable of the fishing net, and the the parable of the house owner. Now, these are all stories you know, or you should know, and this is Jesus explaining, here's what's going to happen to the church, and uh, here are some uh, just visual pictures so that you can understand, here's what's going to happen. What they think is going to happen is Jesus is going to be the king, and it's going to usher in an age of golden uh, righteousness and tremendous success and prosperity and everything's going to be great, and the church is going to take over the world. That's what they're thinking. 
And, uh, of course, their thinking is that's going to be Israel. So that's their, that's their mindset. And so already he's giving them uh, just some, some uh, points that will challenge their mindset but which will come back to them in the years to come, and they're going to say, oh, this is exactly what we expected to have happen because here's the story that Jesus told us, the parable of the sower uh, sowing seed. If you go to the next uh, slide, four kinds of soil. There's the hard ground, and there is the rocky ground, and there is the thorny ground, and then there is the good soil. Four different reactions. Jesus explains the parable to them, the hard soil, These are people who hear the word of God, they don't understand it, they don't apply it to their lives, and so it's gone. They forget all about it. It makes absolutely no impact. And Jesus says that's because Satan comes and takes it away from them. The second soil, the soil of the rocky ground, the seed comes and it sprouts up and it grows well, but it doesn't last because the soil's horrible. And it comes and it sprouts and it begins to grow but then the sun comes out and it hits it and it fades away. Then there is the soil that is thorny. It grows, but the thorns come and grow along beside of it and eventually they choke it out. And he says that is the cares of the world, the worries of this life, and the deceitfulness of pleasure things. And then finally the good seed hits the soil And it grows, and this is people who take in the word of God, and it has an impact on their life, and they grow and they produce fruit. In my opinion, only the last soil are believers. That's my opinion. Okay, The last soil are believers. So the first are those who hear the word of God. It has no impact on them whatsoever. The second, they come, yes, Christianity, this is great stuff. Jesus, yeah, love it. But then, before long, gone. There's no roots. There's nothing deep there. It was all surface. And then there is that other group of individuals. They embrace it, and they begin to grow, and it's wonderful. But then they go, you know something? Outside of the church is better than inside. I have more fun. I love my money. I love my things. And that's more important to me than anything else. And they embrace that, and then they give up on what was inside. They, for- they forget about the word. Now... The reason why I wanted to talk about this and uh, talk about this this week and next week is because we are seeing vast numbers of people leave the church completely. And in fact, we're seeing preachers do it. In our town, Bob Ripley, you all know him, used to write a religion article in The Observer and London Free Press, was pastor of Dunlop United Church, and... uh, Even today, we're talking about supporting NeighborLink. Bob Ripley was one of the key pastors who established NeighborLink. And uh, when I came to town, he'd been a pastor at Dunlop United since 1987. And uh, he was in the evangelical group uh, for a couple of years while I was here. And then, of course, he dropped out of the evangelical group and we didn't see him anymore. Uh, I think that's because he's uncomfortable with being an evangelical. He then went on to Metropolitan United in London, which, is, which was the largest United Church in Canada and was the largest mainline denomination church in Canada. And he had the biggest salary of ministers in Canada, or one of the biggest salaries. And then in 2009, he quit, took an early retirement, and a few years later came out with a book saying that he's an atheist 
and that he doesn't, doesn't believe in the Bible, he doesn't believe there's a God. All religions are man-made, and they're just made-up things. And uh, it, was, it was a little bit shocking. Um, I wasn't that surprised because I'd read his articles over the year, years, and I thought, I don't think he believes the Bible, what it says. Believes everything else but uh, what the Bible has to say. And uh, well, that was Bob Ripley. In this past year, a man by the name of Joshua Harris, he was a pastor of a megachurch in the United States, 10,000 people. And uh, he came to the point where he thought, I don't have enough education. So he decided to go back to school. And he went to school in Vancouver, Regent Seminary. And uh, after starting Regent Seminary just this year, he said that he was not going to go to seminary. He and his wife were divorcing, and uh, the next thing we saw, he was participating in gay pride in Vancouver and posting it on the Internet and saying that he did not believe uh, in Christianity anymore. They had moved on. This year, Marty Sampson, well-known musician, in Australia uh, with Hillsong. And uh, one of the songs that we sing, uh, was, he's one of the credited writers, four or five writers. And Marty Sampson, again, stepped down and uh, is not sure what he believes either. And uh, this is going on and on. And so what, what is happening? And so I thought, let's just talk about it. Talk about uh, why this takes place and talk about what it means to apostatize. Uh, Jesus said you can expect these kind of things. You can expect people to fall away, for there to be something there, and then for it just to fizzle, fizzle out. Um, Jad is not here today. Jad, a former Muslim, he and I uh, would talk about Islam every once in a while, and he gave me a couple books to read, which uh, are going to go into our church library. And Jad said Muhammad started out preaching. And he wanted to bring converts by preaching. And he found out that after a number of years of preaching, it didn't work. So then Muhammad moved to conquering. And so all converts to Islam then were conquered peoples. You were forced to accept is Islam. And so it moved across the world, across Africa and across Europe, and you can see how many countries they've conquered. Those are the countries that became Islamic. And, and people are held by fear. Christianity is different. It should be different. We're coming to the age, I think, when there's no longer an advantage to being part of a Christian church. It's now becoming a disadvantage, even though all of our politicians claim to be Christians. Yet our Minister of Parliament is one of the few that stand up for her faith. Um, yet we're coming to a time when the advantage of belonging to a church, a Christian church, is really shrinking. And so I think we're going to find who the real Christians are. For, in, for instance, in the 50s, you had to go to church. You went to church to make business connections. You went to church to connect with people. And you went to church because it looked good. Everybody did it. Today, none of that would be true. You don't, you don't go to church to make business connections. In fact, you might lose business if you go to a church. And you don't go to church to have contacts. 
and uh, you don't even go to church to look good. People might think you're weird if you go to church today. So we're finding a time when hopefully the only reason you would go to church is because you believe. You truly believe that the Word of God has done something in your life, and that's why you go. Uh, Notice some things about the parable of the sower. First of all, preaching and speaking the word will meet with various responses. Okay? Some of it will just fall on hard ears. Some of it will sprout quickly and they'll fall away. But the exciting thing is that some of it will take root and grow. That's why we should share the word of God. The seed will find good soil. Secondly, disproportionate and unfair goodness comes to those who receive and do what the word says. Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Or Jesus says this, the same chapter, but we didn't read this. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. I've always thought that the person, you can find out people who read their word of God because they know about God. Talk to somebody who is steeped in the word of God, and you will find spiritual wisdom. It's like they've been to university learning about God just from reading the Bible. The job of the church is to give the word and sow in in as many ways as possible. Number four, the hard-hearted person who pays no attention to God's word, you better break up the hard ground. Otherwise, the word will be taken from you. It's meaningless if you don't pay attention. For the new Christian, you better work on your roots in the word and in the faith because trouble and persecution will wipe you out. That's true for many of the people who the New Testament was written for. Book of Hebrews. Book of Hebrews is written to Christians in Rome, Jewish Christians in Rome, who have come to Christ and they're excited. But persecution comes and now they're starting to wonder, maybe we should leave our Christianity and go back to Judaism. Because Judaism was easier. We didn't have all the problems from people attacking us when we were Jews. And so the writer of Hebrews, I think it's one of Paul's friends. Sam Carr thinks it's Paul. The writer of Hebrews (laughs) writes the book to say, you can't abandon Christ and go back to Judaism. You're leaving the truth and you're leaving salvation, and you'll be in great trouble. If you do that, persecution has a way of choking, choking out the truth, and making us give up. If you go to the next slide, how many of you can't read that? Everybody can read it. Ginny, you can't read it? One honest person. Uh, I know someone told me that their, their eye doctor told them that if they can't read the overhead at the front of church, then they shouldn't be driving. That's why your hands aren't up. (laughs) Number six, beware that the worries and pleasures of life do not choke out the word of God. I think that's a huge one today. I hear that all the time. I don't want to go to church because all they want is my money. Truthfully, as a church, we care less about, I could care less about your money. Right? Your money is between you and God. Of course, 
we'll, we'll talk about your money, but uh, the pleasures of this world choke out the word of God. We live in a pleasure-saturated society. Just saturated with pleasure. And you can list them all. Movies, television, sporting events, playing sports, going to casinos, on and on and on. We have a society that lives for pleasure. Um, I was talking to some of the Chinese guys in town. They're saying, uh, we, can't, we can't get Chinese to come out and play volleyball anymore. I said, why not? I said, because all the younger ones just play computer games. <laughs> Number seven, the incredible wealth, worth, and delight of the gospel was eagerly sought by the prophets and saints of old. We must value it or be spiritual stupid. Number eight, calluses build up over time. Get them off your heart. That's the hardness that's in, on your heart so that the word of God can penetrate it. Number nine, there are great expectations for those who receive, hear, and understand. You will have more knowledge and you will be blessed and you will have fruitfulness. Um, earlier this year, I was down at Mac Campbell's place and Mac, uh, I, Mac showed me all the seed that he had in his wagon. How many pounds of seed did you have, Mac? Uh-oh. 30,000? 30,000 pounds of seed. It was a big wagon and it was heavily loaded. Um, Mac does not put the seed in the ground just to see a plant come up and to look out his window and go, wow, that's a, that's, a, that's a very attractive green. I like that. That's not why he puts the seed in the ground. He puts the seed in the ground so he can get more seed off of it than what he put in. Right? That's the whole purpose. That's what the Word of God is supposed to do. If the Word of God does not produce fruit in your life, what it has done for you is pointless. Fruitfulness. Number 10, sow into your own life this year with the Word of God. And number 11, be a sower yourself. Okay, very quickly, I've got eight minutes. So now we're going to go through and look at some other, other passages in the Bible. Just talking about apostasy, what's going to happen. Okay, this is from Jesus. This is Matthew 24. This is Jesus speaking about the future. And I, I call this general signs of the future times. And one of those general signs of the future times is that many come in Jesus' name claiming, I'm the Messiah and will deceive many. And that is false religion. And we've got a scat of false religion related to Christianity. Just deceiving. Go to the next slide. Same chapter. This is now further and closer to the end of time when Jesus returns. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and they will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will, fear, will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. That doesn't sound too exciting. That's what's going to happen near the end of time when Jesus returns. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. And I think he's talking about Christian love, love of God and love for Christ. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. 
go to the next slide. This is Acts 20. This is Paul speaking to the Ephesian elders. And he believes that he is going to go to Jerusalem and be imprisoned and maybe die. So this is kind of his farewell words to this church. He says, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. The seriousness of coming to Christ. Let's go to the next slide. Galatians chapter 1. Galatians is Paul's first book written around 50 A.D. So this is uh, less than 20 years after Jesus. And this is just one year after he starts these churches. And he writes back to them. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Um, don't be surprised when you see people turning to a different gospel. It happens, happened after Paul started a church, 20 years after Christ. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you the gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Next slide. For I want you to know, brothers, the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Bob Ripley specifically says, if you, go, if you go back back one, Lynn, Bob Ripley specifically says, all religion is man-made. That's what he says. All religion is man-made. And I contrast that to with what Paul writes in Galatians 1. The gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, by the way, Mr. Ripley knows that every scholar in the world believes Paul wrote that. Even unbelieving scholars. They all believe Paul writes that. Now, unbelieving scholars don't think he's telling the truth, but they believe that that is what Paul wrote. If you go to the next slide, 1 Timothy 4. The Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceit, deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. If you go to the next slide. I, I included this slide because I, I think this is a slide that speaks about Bob Ripley. Um, and I also think this slide is speaking about Judas Iscariot who betrayed Jesus. Notice what it says. It is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come. Okay, wonderful things. 
That is, you have lived the Christian life and you have seen evidence of this wonderful Christian life. Verse 6, it is impossible for these and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own, own harm and holding him up to contempt. Strong words from the book of Hebrews. And I think that's the unforgivable sin. Okay, You've been close to Christ. You've experienced all the great things of heaven. And the Holy Spirit has used you and done things in your life. And then you say, no, it was nothing. And you turn your back on it. You are in terrible danger. Finally, one more. This is from the book of Revelation, and there are about two or three passages like this in the book of Revelation. Uh, this is written about 95 to 100 A.D., and this is one of the seven churches of the book of Revelation. There's a little letter to each of those seven different churches. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam who told Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. So in other words, there's some people in the church who says, listen, all of our culture is going to these idol temples, temples and, in, and involved in worship. We need to go too. That is what our culture does and that is a way to uphold our government and fit in with everyone else. And they were doing that. And they were telling people in the church to do that. And then there was sexual immorality going on in the temples. And they were telling the people in the church, yes, it's fine if we do that too. Because the old moral code is outdated. We have freedom in Christ to be sexually immoral. Verse 15. So also you have some who hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. And today we don't know what the Nicolaitans uh, believed. Um, one possibility is Nicholas, this is, comes down from church history, Nicholas had a very attractive wife. He thought it would be selfish if only he slept with his wife. And so they shared wives. And that was the teaching in the church. And Jesus says, therefore, repent. Right? You've you got to repent or else I'm going to come and remove your church. Well, this is just the beginning of the topic. Uh, next week, we're going to finish it. Uh, we're going to look at the book of Jude. Uh, Jude is a book that is written about this specifically. Second uh, Peter chapter 2 writes the same things as Jude, if you want to read ahead and think about it. Uh, that's what we're going to talk about next week. Let's close with a word of prayer.